Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to the Dr. Tom Curran Show. It is a great joy to be with you today. Today, we're going to talk about really one of the most fundamental things that is associated with a flourishing life of faith. That's pretty strong, what I just said there. You got to get this right if you really want to flourish in faith. You know what that is? A strong sense of identity found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a lot more to that than meets the eye. And we'll dig into that today on the program. So please stay tuned. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. We're going to begin with a scripture reading from Matthew chapter 5. If you went to Mass yesterday, the gospel was about the Gerasene demoniac who lived among the tombs, was unrestrained. He came to Christ, and if you remember, he had a legion of demons cast out of him into the swine that rushed headlong down into the water. I'm going to read an excerpt from that that is relevant for us today as we reflect on where do I find my identity in Christ? Why is that so important? And what happens in our lives of faith when we are properly and deeply rooted in our sense of identity, who I am in my relationship with Jesus Christ? So let's begin with the scripture reading. I'm only going to again read a snippet from that encounter that Christ has with the Gerasene demoniac. Crying out in a loud voice, oh, sorry, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. This is from the Gospel of Mark. Catching sight of Jesus from a distance, the demoniac ran up and prostrated himself before Jesus, crying out in a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Jesus had been saying to him, unclean spirit, come out of the man. Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, legion is my name. There are many of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for all of the ways that you love us. You are so merciful, Father, because of Jesus, and that you give us so many good gifts. And we ask today that the gift of your Holy Spirit would stir in our hearts a deeper longing for a relationship with Jesus, that we would pursue him and commune with him and and have stripped from our lives, Lord, those things that we cling to for our sense of identity. Help us, Lord, to find our truest and deepest identity and to live from that foundation in our lives in our relationship with Jesus. And it's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. 
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. So this idea of Christian identity, it's a big deal. You hear me talk about it now and again on Sound, uh, on Sound Insight on this program quite a bit. And I do so for a reason. It's we got to get that right. It's like how we see ourselves. This is this is something that obviously goes back to the scriptures, and I'll point out some of the ways that it does. But you look at uh, the our great Catholic tradition, you'll see like Saint Augustine's Confessions is all about what, who's God and who am I? It's this great pursuit of God in pursuit of living authentically the person He is, and how am I going to live authentically the person I am and, until I know who God is and, and live well in that relationship, and that idea carries forward, you know, for 17 centuries through other great spiritual writers, right? Know who you are. St. Catherine of Siena says, you'll set the world on fire, right? Become who you are meant to be. Become who you're meant to be. Identity, identity, identity. Become who you are meant to be and you'll set the world on fire. Why? Because who you really are meant to be is found only in Jesus Christ and in the gift of his spirit, the fire of God, firing you up. So that fire, right, gives off light and warmth, that that will radiate from your life. And that only happens when that's our identity, when our deepest identity is found in Jesus Christ. That may not be as easy as it sounds. If I said to you, does, an, does a typical Catholic know what it means to find their identity in Jesus Christ? And I'd say, explain it. I don't think, I think most Catholics can't. I don't think that most Catholics really get it, get that idea that, well, I find my deepest sense of self, my deepest sense of personal identity in the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ, the living Lord of my life. And it's not even just a matter of not having the language. It's that I don't sense it or see it or hear it in their voices, in their lives through the witness of how they actually live. And, and let me say this, this is for all of us. I'm not saying they, not me. In fact, I'll be held to a stricter account because I've had the privilege of being exposed to these great spiritual writers and, and to study and to, to hang around with and be part of right, church ministry work for, for 35 years. And it's like, okay, I, I'm going to be held to a much stricter account when it comes to this, but today I want to give a testimony I want to give a testimony about the importance of testimony. <laughs> a, a testimony is a witness. The, the power of testimony is the power of a witness, a journey that we've taken that we want to give evidence about that, the impact that it's had. We want to bring that out into the open so that others would be blessed by it as well. And so when we discover Jesus Christ, welcome him into our lives, and have him be the basis for how we live day to day, he is the motivating source. He is the ultimate goal. He is the one who is in our mind's eye as we pursue and do the things that we're doing. Brothers and sisters, that shows up. That becomes, that becomes obvious. There's a, there's a bit of obviousness to Jesus Christ in the life of one who is yearning and, and zealously pursuing knowing and loving and serving Jesus day to day. But when I say that, 
it's not obvious. When I say that it's not easy, it's because we have many temptations around us offering us other sources of identity, offering us other ways to ground our sense of self. This is who I am. Um, and this is this isn't really that complicated. I'll give you a very simple example that I'm hoping helps. And this will be at, let's call it a more natural level. And a natural level that holds us back from finding our identity in Christ. And then I want to talk about, let's call it a supernatural level, that there is a darkness, a brokenness in our lives that makes it difficult for us to imagine that we are permitted and invited to find our deepest relationship in our union with Jesus because of our brokenness. And that's where I'm going to come back to the Gerasene demoniac story. But let's start with just a very natural sense of what am I talking about when I'm saying find your identity in something? Super simple. If you're around Spokane Valley tonight at six o'clock, show up at Valley Christian High School. There's a basketball game happening there between the Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame Knights. That's the team that I'm coaching, my daughter's team, the, the varsity girls team, and uh, a team from Wilbur Creston, uh, just a kind of small towns in uh, eastern Washington. And they're a really good team. They're probably going to crush us. <laughs> but it's senior night, and senior night, we're going to honor seniors. And if I said to you, um, where is there a sense of identity if you showed up uh, at that gym tonight at six? Well, it's really obvious. You don't have to think very uh, deeply about it. There are 10 girls that are going to show up and they will be wearing the Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame uniforms and they're going to go out and they're going to play basketball. So it's a group of girls that their identity is found uh, on in some very visible things, the uniform they wear, the fact that they're hanging out together as members of that team, and the thing that they're doing, they're playing basketball together. Okay, you got those factors? They are visibly connected by what they're wearing. They hang out together as a unit where they belong, and they've been identified and accepted and celebrated together. And they're doing something that they share in common. They're playing basketball. And that's a very natural, easy way to say, I can find my identity there. I can find my sense of identity there. And as you know, you've heard me and my wife, Carrie, talk about sports as this idol, this temptation to, to, to become an idol where our kids and parents can foster in their kids a sense of Find your identity in your sports, in your athleticism, in your ability to star and to be elevated and to get to that next place as a sports, as an athlete. And that's a temptation. That's a temptation. Or it's even a temptation to say, well, I'm part of this team. I'm part of this team and I belong here. And you don't. And this is where I find my sense of identity. And I find, what's identity? My sense of worth, my sense of being affirmed and celebrated where I belong, where I feel good. I feel good because I'm acknowledged. I'm welcomed. That doesn't happen everywhere. So that sense of identity, where do people naturally find their sense of identity? It's the place where they're welcomed. It's the place where they're acknowledged. They're named. They're known. They're affirmed. They're appreciated. They're celebrated. They 
belong. Guess what? Those are all deep human needs. We need those. Authentic, not neediness. There's definitely a broken version of that, but at a human level, we all need to belong. It's a fundamental psycho psychological need that we have as a human being to belong and to, to feel that sense of belonging versus being rejected or being kicked out or never being welcomed or being critiqued, right? All of those things hurt. They hurt and they wound. And what? As, as, as young people today are growing and, and older people are growing, there's that natural tendency and even authentic tendency to say, I'm good. I'm good. I feel good about myself because I have a group of people where I belong. And people are pursuing that sense of belonging. And pursuing that sense of belonging might mean well, I'm not wearing the uniform of a team, but I'm going to wear the uniform of the clothes that I wear, the shoes that I buy. And and so fit in that way. Boy, that is isn't that huge? How many young people will just work so hard to be able to get their money to be able to spend it on a certain brand of shoe or a certain type of jacket or a certain set of pants style, right? That's a pursuit of belonging. That there's a, a vulnerability, an ache. There's an emptiness in that human heart that says, I want to belong. I want to fit in. And, and then wearing those clothes that, let's call it that kind of uniform, then I can fit in with this group and I'll be found acceptable. And, and that acceptability might be associated with the things that I'm doing as well. So, Track this out. Track it out in your own life. Track it out in the lives of, of your kids. And you stop and say, wow, at a, at a very natural level, yeah, I want to belong. I, I, I want to fit in I, and, and I'll do things to fit in, whether it's the stuff that I have, the, the car that I drive. You get older, it's the same thing, right? What position do I have in my job? What, how much money am I making and what am, where do I get to go with it and, and what kind of uh, vacations do I get to have or houses do I own or, or cars do I drive, right? Or places that I'm going to go out to eat, right? It, it's all of that is what? Well, at one level, it's a desire to fit in and belong. And if it's not related to well, if it's not related to correctly and well, it'll lead to a false sense of identity a false sense of belonging that's not worth what it cost. In fact, it can hold me back from my truest, deepest sense of identity that is found in something that endures. These other fads, these other, let's call it seasons of life, where we maybe do fit in and maybe do get accepted and found acceptable and all these other things are that these things can be sources of identity, they're going to pass away, brothers and sisters. We're made for something deeper. We are made to belong. And if we only would realize it, we already have a place where we do belong. We've, we ha there is a place where we are found accepted and acceptable. Beyond our wildest imagining, affirmed and celebrated. And that's what I'm talking about today on the program is 
how do we get beyond the natural human, let's call it worldly temptations to find our identity in something other than God and our relationship with God or the other factor that holds us back. And this other factor is, is not just the natural or the worldly, but it's the fallen dimension. It's the fleshly dimension. It's the broken, sinful dimension that holds us back. I'm going to turn to that section after the break. I'm going to go back to the Gerasene demoniac and, and look at him and, and, and draw parallels between his journey and our life. Not that we're possessed by demons, but there are dimensions to what that guy was experiencing that are connected to this very sense of identity and how our own sin holds us back from believing that the Lord would want to relate to us in such a profound way. So we're going to dig into that in just a minute. Back in a minute with more of the Dr. Tom Show. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. So in this section, I want to dig into the spiritual ways that we become enslaved to false identities and held back from believing that Jesus Christ, the living Lord, is in fact approaching us, yes, even us, with our past and our present brokenness and sin, with all of the darkness that clings to our lives and that we cling to, that he still is pursuing us and he still is passionately pursuing a relationship with us that would become so profound that it is the basis of our identity. And that's what we're going to build on in the remaining section of the program. But let's take a look at the let's take a look at the fallen condition that can be part of our lives as well. Honestly. So let's go back to Mark chapter five. It's the Gerasene demoniac, right? And let's acknowledge it. There's a realm of the demonic. There is. It's not a fantasy thing. Demons are not just uh, you know, from the movies. Demons afflict us and come against us. And we pray in the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, deliver us from the evil one, deliver us from evil. Jesus fought against demons, and demons knew who Jesus was. And yet we can learn from this demoniac, one who has become identified with his own being harassed, infested, and likely what possessed by demons, we can learn something about our own spiritual bondage and the effects of sin by examining his story. So what do we know? He's a man from the tombs. He dwells among the tombs. And you stop and you say night and day he's among the tombs on the hillsides crying out. So he's alive. 
but he is among the dead. He's alive, but he's spending his life hanging around in the midst of things that are dead. You know, that, that applies to us too. There are things in our lives that deaden our spiritual life. Do, do you realize that? Do you ponder that? Do you think about that? How much of our time on our smartphones and our laptops and smart TVs, and for young people, video games and handheld devices, how much of that is deadening, really deadening to our own spiritual development, deadening to our relationship with Jesus Christ? So in, in many ways, we can be like that man who we're alive, but we're among the deadening devices, those portals of pollution that allow such filth and, and sinful brokenness into our lives. And what does he do? He says, no one could restrain him. But let's call it, he had, he had smartphone addiction. There was an addiction there. Even with the chain, in fact, he'd been bound with shackles and he had pulled them apart and smashed them. I think that that's more relevant to us than we realize. I think that we can put boundaries. We can chain ourselves, meaning I'm going to put time constraints on how much time I spend on my smartphone. I'm going to put time constraints on how much time I spend watching and listening to really useless, not helpful uh, news and uh, social media platforms and streaming video stuff, right? Just things that we, I'm going to put boundaries around it. And what do we do? We break the shackles. We put constraints up and we take them down. We break them. We find a way around them. So this demoniac is not as far from our lives as maybe we realize. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Do you ever feel powerless in the midst of your own, let's call it addictions, your own smartphone and, and uh, internet use disorder? Do you feel that? And, and I'm not even talking about, right, the, the, the attachment to like outright impurity, sinful uses of the internet for pornography and other hateful things. Night and day, he's on the tombs. And what is he doing? He's crying out and bruising himself with stones. How are we just damaging our own lives by our own unworthy ways of living? And what happens when he catches sight of Jesus? Catches sight of Jesus at a distance. He runs up, prostrates himself before Jesus. Right? That means he lies down on his face. He bows his head down to the ground before Jesus, and he cries out in a loud voice, right? This guy's intense. This guy's serious. And what does he say? What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? What do you want to do with me? Like, why would you want to have anything, Jesus, to do with me? I am so hateful to myself. The things I do are hateful and broken and unworthy and dark. God, what do you want to do with me? 
And he says, I adjure you by God, even calls upon God, don't torment me. He, he's like, I know I don't deserve, what do I deserve? I deserve to be punished. I deserve to be punished. I am literally, I'm in torment over my own life, but the things I've done are so dark and so dishonoring to you and and, and disobedient and 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 I'm stuck and I hate it and I keep doing it and, and don't torment me, but that's what I deserve. And what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? What is your name? What is your name? That's identity. That's a question of identity. That's, I want to know you. I want to know you. And this demon-possessed man says, Legion, there are many of us. And what does Jesus do? Casts out the demons into the herd. And he's basically saying, I'm going to cast out of your life everything and anything that makes you divided. Anything and everything. The legion of things that are holding you in bondage to a false identity. Holding you back from believing that I want to be in relationship with you. This is what Jesus is saying. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing you've done. There's nothing that you could do that would ever drive Jesus away from you. He is approaching you. And he's saying, what's your name? And when you say there's a legion of things that I've done that are hateful, and I hate myself for it, and I know that you hate them, what? why, why don't you just torment me now? Jesus is like, I cast away all that. I cast away your past. I cast away that past that it clings to your present. I cast away all of those things in your life that you're powerless to overcome on your own and be free. And what happens when Jesus casts away all those demons? It says that the, the crowd comes out to see what happened. And as they approached Jesus, they caught sight of the man who had been possessed by a legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind. He, he was naked and, and, and hurting himself and screaming in a loud voice. And now he's sitting, sitting there and he's clothed. He's now come back to himself. He's, he's now veiling what ought to be veiled. He's in his right mind. He, he's back possessing his sense of self again because Jesus says, you belong to me now. You belong to me. You belong with me. I accept you. And when I accept you, look what I can do. Look what I will do. I'll set you free. And what happens to the people? It says they were seized with fear. Seized with fear. And they began to beg Jesus to leave their district. <laughs> now that's a witness. That is a testimony right there. 
your life can become such a radical testimony that says, do you want to know what it's like to be in relationship with Jesus Christ? Come and see. Just hang out with me and I will tell you a story. Testimony. I will give you a testimony of what happens to a life that surrenders to Jesus. And they, they beg him to leave the district. And what is the, the man possessed with? He pleads with Jesus, can I stay with you? I want to stay with you. I know what it means now to stay with you, to belong to you, to, to belong, to be with you. This, this is my life. This is the meaning of my life is, is found in relationship to you. And what does Jesus say? No, no, you can't. No, no. Instead, go home to your family and witness witness, give testimony, announce to them all that the Lord in his mercy has done for you. He doesn't say go announce the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. Go and announce to your family all that the Lord in his mercy has done for you. And the man went off and began to proclaim in the 10 cities what Jesus had done for him. And all were amazed. So I began the beginning of the program. I, I said something that was a little bit strong, a little bit, maybe he thought, Oh, that's, that's too hard. That's too overstated. And in my, my, my comment was, mm, how many Catholics really find their identity in Jesus Christ? If you find your identity in Jesus Christ, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have a testimony. And that testimony is going to be going off and proclaiming to the family all that the Lord has done for them and proclaiming in the 10 cities all around them what Jesus had done for them individually, and they'd be amazed. That's a testimony. A testimony about one's identity in Christ amazes others. Because a testimony announcing what Christ has done for, for us is in fact going to bring about an amazing result in our own lives. We will be amazed what happens to our lives when we surrender them to Jesus and beg him to be the source of identity. I like that. I like that. Are you ready? People talk about, I want to have an amazing life. I want to have an amazing life. And and typically when you, you see these things on, it used to be infomercials and other marketing programs and pieces, and now it's just all over social media, right? You want to have an amazing life and they show someone standing by a really expensive car and there's typically a boat and they're on the water on a boat. <laughs> they're on a beach, Right. And fine dining. And maybe there's a private jet, right? Like all these signs of extraordinary wealth. And that's an amazing life. That's not an amazing life. That is not an amazing life. That's amazing stuff. Like possessions and, and material expressions of wealth. But an amazing life is a life that amazes heaven. 
that amazes God. How'd you like to have a, a, a life that amazed Jesus, that the saints in heaven cheered on, that when people heard them, the people of God heard them, they would be drawn to Jesus. That's what I want. I want a life that when people hear about it, they're going to say, having just heard, Tom, what you shared about your relationship with Jesus, I want to get to know him. I want to know him better. I want to go deeper. I, I, I know now there's more to this Catholic faith stuff than I had imagined. I want more. There is more and I want it. That's my brothers and sisters where we should be headed. And so in the remainder of the program, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig into what it means to actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ where we find our identity in him. What does that look like? And I'm going to talk about it from two different standpoints. I'm going to talk about it from the standpoint of the titles of Jesus, that Jesus is Savior, that he is Lord, right? And what does that mean? He's Savior and he's Lord. Um, and I'm going to talk about it, and he's the way and the truth and the life. And then I'm going to talk about it from the standpoint of the actual facets of this relationship, that the relationship with Jesus is personal and intimate, it's profound, and it's life-giving. All of those dimensions are true. Welcome back to the program. It is great to be with you today on the Dr. Tom Curran Show. So I do want to encourage you, if you're enjoying this program, go to the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast. You can find that on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. So just go to mycatholicfaith.org where you can listen to all these programs as well as get free downloadable resources. You can also sign up for a newsletter, a digital uh, newsletter that will get to you and give you updates on things that will be happening um, in the ministry and on the radio program. So uh, talking about this sense of Catholic identity, I think one of the reasons why we are held back is that we don't expect that there's more. We don't really expect that there's something bigger that we're missing. And that's a great sadness. And that's where if we had the witness of saintly lives, that would give us a standard that's higher and it would elevate what it is we were pursuing. So the need for saints today is as great as it's ever been. Boy, we just need so many holy men and women to pursue God with such vigor and radical generosity that it'll draw others after them. We need that. We need the lives of saints. But I think one of the other reasons is, is that we stay where we're at even if it's settling for less, even if it's painful, even if there's a bit of darkness associated with our lives, because we know it, it's known to us. And don't underestimate the power of staying where we're at because it's known rather than taking the risk of, of venturing into the unknown because we don't know for sure what's going to be there for us. We might hear a promise, an announcement that there's something better, but we it's hard to imagine it. It's hard to imagine what that better is. And what if it's not? What if what if it's not? And then here's the last part. And this is this comes from Aquinas. The very act of moving from a painful place that's known to a better place that's unknown 
is by passing through an intensification of the pain. Did you hear that? Okay, let me say that again. Aquinas had a profound insight here. He talks about the way in which we stay in situations that are sad, sadness, because the attempt to move out of sadness involves an intensification of it before there's a breakthrough out of it. And so if we're in a stuck place where it's a bit a bit it's a bit broken and a bit dark and we just don't imagine that there's something that much greater it's because when we try to move towards that greater it gets harder. And, and frankly brothers and sisters you see this if you ever try to fast or you try to pray or you try to do some spiritual exercises you'll find that the flesh asserts itself even more. And that it becomes even harder and you'll fall back even a bit further than you were before you tried it. Isn't that the mystery of the flesh? But I'm here to say to you, please, in Jesus' holy name, believe me when I say to you that there's more. There's more than you've imagined about making Jesus the center of your identity. There's more than I've imagined there's more than I've yet come to know about the richness of the life that comes from surrendering ourselves to Jesus. Now, I'm going to start with the titles, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Savior. He's the way and the truth and the life. Okay, so let's try to break these open in a way that understands, that, that makes them more understandable, right? Jesus is Lord. He's the boss. He's in charge. He's the king. He's the one with authority. He rules over everything. And the one who rules over everything wants to rule in your heart. He wants to and rule in your life. Not wants to, he intends to. And so when I say to you, make Jesus the center of your identity, your relationship with him, right? That, that, that relationship becomes more important than any other relationship. Honoring that relationship becomes more important than anything else. Living well in that relationship becomes my first priority. You know what that is? That's a gift. That's a gift that Jesus gives. And you know what he's doing? He's knocking on the door of your life and he's saying, allow me in. It's Revelation 3, brothers and sisters. Revelation 3, 19. Jesus, behold, I stand at the door of your life the right now moment of your life. I stand here knocking. And if you open, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will have supper with you. I will commune with you. I will share. I will be a companion to you. I will come into the I will come into your home, into the to the center of your life, the center of your your being. And watch what he will do. Please, if you've never done that act before, do it today. Jesus Christ, I beg you, come in. Come in like you've never come in before. Come in at a level, a depth, and a dimension in my life that I've never welcomed you before. Jesus, I have held back. I'm not holding back any longer. Come and establish 
your lordship and the center of my heart, the center of my life, the center of my relationships, the center of my concern. Jesus, please come and rule and reign in my life. Knock me off the throne of my own life. And Lord, where I resist, where I rebel, where I refuse, come as a conquering hero. Come as a conquering God. Come and exercise your lordship and knock me off my throne. Bring about my surrender where I don't know how to surrender. Please grant me the grace of being surrendered to you in those places where I rebel. I can't do it, Jesus, without you. I don't know how to do it, Jesus, without you. Please come and be Lord. That's a prayer. Make that prayer. Got to say that prayer in your own way. You don't got to say it the way I said it, but you got to intend it the way that, that, that hopefully came across in that prayer. It's not once for all, brothers and sisters. It is not. It's every day. Every day. I, I, I don't know. I mean, sincerely, like I think about it and I'm like, how many days do I pray that prayer? <laughs> most. Most days. Most days I, I, I come before Jesus and I'm like, you, you got to come and conquer me, Lord. You got a rebel on your hands today. I need you to, to exercise lordship here because I'm making my own plans. I think somehow I'm in charge of my own life. Please be Lord. So that, that this is, that's one facet. That's one facet of what it means to make Jesus the center of your identity is acknowledging him as the boss, the one in charge, the one who has the right to command me, the Lord. Are you ready for that? Jesus is Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. You know, how, how often do we get taught that? How often do we get a plea from, from the, you know, from, from the, in our homily? Let Jesus be Lord. Let him take over. Let him take over. I think where we might hear more is Jesus is Savior. Right? What's what does that mean, Savior? He's the lifeguard. You're drowning. He's the rescuer. He's the liberator. You're in prison. He's the redeemer. You're, you're in slavery and he's going to pay your debt. He is the sacrificial victim. He's going to take your place and take on your punishment. He's going to Take your place in the prison. You're going to go free and he's going to undergo your punishment, right? All of that. He's your savior. He's going to pull you out from the, from the, the waters that you're drowning in. He's going to rescue you. Do you know places in your life where you need rescue? Are there, are there relationships that you're involved in where you need to be saved? God, save me. Jesus, please. Please save this situation. I don't know how to do it. I, I don't have, I, I don't get, I need help. Help. There you go. Where in your life are you saying help? Do you ask 
Jesus Christ for help. You end of the end of your rope. Ask him for help. Save me, Jesus. Be my savior. And I haven't even said, I, I referenced it earlier, but save me from myself. Save me from my sins. Save me from the, the ways that I dishonor God in my life. So much more to say, and I'll get back to it in just a minute. Welcome back to the program. So today on the program, I'm talking about grounding our identity in Jesus Christ. And what does that, what does that sound like? What does that look like? How do we pray in a way that is indicative of Jesus being the center of my identity? What is that? How does that show up? So I, I talked in the first half of the program about the things that hold us back from that. We find our identity in the things of the world, or we get held back from even approaching Jesus because of our own brokenness. And we feel like, why would Jesus want to have anything to do with me? I hate myself. Why wouldn't he hate me and reject me? And what we're hearing is that, no, he, he calls you by name. He is reaching out to you. He's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, I'm coming to establish my lordship, but I'm also coming to save you. I'm coming to save you. And honestly, I think that there are some who will first approach Jesus as Lord and surrender, but I think more approach Jesus as savior. Like I need help. Save me from myself. Save me from my sins, but save me from the sins that cling to my family, my relationships, the, the things that are happening around me in this world. Please be our savior, Jesus. We need a savior. Anybody think we, we don't need a savior in this world, in the Middle East? in Russia, Ukraine, and the United States, with all the moral tragedies and travesties, the state of Washington, I mean, come on, we need a savior. We need, but that savior needs to come and live in us. Okay, so Lord, savior, but what else did I say? I said, he's the way and the truth and the life. Well, what he's the way, what does that mean? Well, you think about, Jesus, I want you to show me how to live. Please, Jesus, I, I want you to live in me day to day. I want to live in accord with the joy and the happiness that you have for me in my life. Well, there is, Jesus teaches us about his happiness, his beatitude. He teaches us about divine happiness, not just human happiness. And divine happiness, it doesn't look a lot like human happiness. It just doesn't. Matthew chapter five, read the beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right at the beginning, boom. You're going to get knocked off your feet. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the meek, the docile, the ones willing to be led. Blessed are those who are persecuted and suffer for the name of Jesus, who suffer falsely. Pursue holiness, pursue justice, pursue peace. Right? All these beatitudes, they, they show what it's like to have the life of God in them, that the life of Jesus living in us, the way to live, is so paradoxical. It, it tips on its head the things that we're pursuing, right? That that life, the amazing life that comes from having Jesus be at our identity looks like the Beatitudes. It doesn't involve the boat and the the, the lake house and the uh, the nice car, <laughs> those pictures, right? And, and I'm not saying you can't have a life of Beatitudes and have those things. It's harder. It's definitely harder. And it's, uh, you know, you, you can't uh, love God and mammon, right? It's, it's, it's hard to be in the midst of one that has all of that 
and pursue the Lord passionately and, and see all of that as a stewardship. There are some, and I know, I know a couple that do that. I know more who don't, <laughs> at least at a visible level. Uh, but I'm not here to judge what's going on in their hearts, right? So, but the way of Jesus is the way of Beatitudes. That's the way we're called to live. So if Jesus is the center of our identity, what are we pursuing? We're pursuing divine beatitude. We're pursuing being poor in spirit, being radically dependent upon the Lord, radically desperate and available to him. That's where we're going to find our wealth, by being docile, meek, available to him. And we'll inherit the whole earth, inherit it, not conquer it, not figure it out, not the fruit of our own wise investments, but no, we've inherited it from the Lord. It's given as a gift. It's just so shockingly different when Jesus is the center of our identity. Okay. He's the, he's the way. He's the truth. He's going to give us the truth about who we are. The truth. The truth doesn't come from what basketball team you're on. doesn't come from the neighborhood you live in and the group of friends you hang around with. No. The truth about who we are comes in our relationship with Jesus. You've heard me share again and again on the program how many people find their deepest identity in their relationship with God. It, it's in their union with the Lord, oftentimes in, in challenging circumstances that reveals not only who God is to them, but reveals them to themselves. Abe becomes Abraham through the testing of Isaac. Jacob becomes Israel by wrestling with God. Uh, Isaiah uh, comes to know his own identity and mission by going into the temple and having purified uh, his lips with the, the coal from the from the fire. Uh, Peter, Simon becomes Peter through the encounter with Jesus. Saul becomes Paul through Jesus revealing himself from heaven. Right? Again and again and again, it's the encounter with Jesus that unveils a level of identity that was present but unknown and never to be discovered apart from the encounter with Jesus. So that's the truth, the truth about who God is, the truth about who we are, and the truth about what our life is all about. What is this world all about? It comes by growing in our relationship with Jesus. And then the life, Jesus is the life, that somehow there's a level of flourishing, but there's a level of vitality, there's a level of changed life, freed life, elevated life, that is known only by those who have a profound, intimate, personal communion with Jesus Christ. That, that's the difference. Jesus doesn't give you a better life. He gives you a whole new life. Jesus doesn't just give you some things, some, some slight changes here and there, helps us be more moral, cleans up our act. We are going to be more appropriate in public and not swear and, uh, you know, be a good citizen. No, I don't know. It's, it's, you're a saint. It's you shine with the, with the blazing glory of God shining forth in your life. That's what happens when Jesus becomes Lord, when Jesus becomes savior, when Jesus becomes the way and the truth, it changes our life and, and changes our life in a way that says he is my life. He's my logos. He's my meaning. He, he's the word that gives me purpose. Just want to honor him. 
I want to live for him. I want to love him. I just want to do what he wants. I want him to be made known. I want him to use my life. Please just use my life, Jesus. In, in all my relationships, just use them. And, and that, that becomes the concern. Like, Jesus, please help me to be a good father to my three little girls at home. Jesus, help me to be a good husband to Carrie. Jesus, help me to be a good father to my sons and daughters away at Franciscan and, and the other girls out of the house. Jesus, help me to be a good realtor to the people that I'm serving who are trying to move here or trying to move from here and uh, all the people that I'm relating to. Jesus, help me. I just want to be valuable to you. And the short amount of time I have left here on earth, my brothers and sisters, everybody I'm talking to, no matter how young you are, you don't have that much longer to live here on earth. How many years? 90? 100? You know, I, I, do, I have, do I have 100 days left? Do I have 10 years left? Do I have 20, 30 years left? Who knows? But even if it's 30 years, I hope it's not. <laughs> I really do. But if it is, I want them to be fruitfully used by God. I want every ounce of my energy. Jesus, please, please stop fooling around, Lord. Lord, stop fooling around. I, I, I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. My prayers, uh, I received communion on Sunday at Mass, and I was just saying, Jesus, please. I want to see your majesty. I want your majesty revealed. I just, please. I'm so old and I want more. I want to know your majesty more. I want, you know, I want your glory to break into my life more. Please reveal your majesty to me more. Do you ever pray like that? And or just even you pray your prayer. Like, Jesus, I want to know more intimately your love. I need to know more intimately that you you do know me. You you see me. You you are you are here with me and that you you're not avoiding me and and you're not ignoring me and and you're seeing what's going on and you 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 want to be more involved and so please be more involved. Right? Talk to him. Tell him what's happening. Tell him you want to live for him. Tell him you want to grow in your relationship with him. Things will start showing up. Things will start connecting. Doors will start opening up for you that you didn't even know were there. Opportunities will start appearing for you to, to nurture this relationship with him. He loves you and he'll do that. He will. That's my testimony. I, I mean, it wasn't even really a, wasn't so much a personal journey, but I was sharing my heart with you. And I, I did it because I felt called to. I just felt like I'm supposed to share this because there are so many Catholics who just don't, maybe have never heard this before and don't know how to make Jesus the center of your sense of identity. And that's where he wants to be. Well, I do hope and pray that this was a blessing. God bless you. Join me tomorrow for more of the Dr. Tom Curran Show.